Welcome to the Riverside Project podcast. We are mobilizing Houston to empower families and transform generations. We hope these conversations will give you a greater understanding of the issues facing our community and inspire you to find your place along the river. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to introduce to you a couple of friends who are from Promise Rose Residential Care Home. We have Dante Abram today. Um, He's the program director of Promise Rose, and we have Nakia Johnson, who is the executive director. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Well, we want to start off just by finding out what is Promise Rose Residential Care Home. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what your day-to-day looks like. So Promise Rose, uh, I always say what what differentiates us from a group home, because people in the community, they're familiar with group home settings, but we offer so much more. (laughs) So uh, besides providing a a loving and stable environment for the kiddos that we service, um, we also provide treatment services. Um, And we do that in the forms of every child that that we we bring in and that we care for have one thing in common, and that's childhood trauma. So uh, the kiddos that we care for, they had difficult backgrounds. They come from abuse, uh, neglect, um, exploitation, you name it. So what differentiates us from a group home is that immediately when we get these kids, we provide them therapeutic services. Uh, they're provided a loving and nurturing environment by caring individuals, people who are in trauma-informed care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just begins the healing process. So that's, in a nutshell, that's what we do. <laughs> so it's essentially a kids in foster care, um, yeah. and they're in more of a group setting. When you say a group, how many generally do you have at one time in your in your home? Um, I would say our capacity is 16. Um, okay. We currently have 12 residents, and we pretty much function around that amount. How do you care for that many people or that many <laughs> kids with those types of backgrounds? Do you do you have other staff who help you, or are you just kind of the parents <laughs> to that many kids? How do you make it work? Uh, we do have 24-hour um, staff. Um, we are there pretty much every day, I would say. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at least one of us, Dante in particular, he's almost there Monday through Sunday. Uh, so we have a great team. Uh, we do have a lot of individuals that come out and land support um, from different pastors, different church groups, um, mentors. Uh, we are now trying to get the families involved as well. For the, the people listening who aren't as familiar with the foster care system, why do kids go into group homes? What's kind of, why do they end up there? Uh, we know about foster care, right? We know that there are foster homes and things like that. But when we talk to a lot of people about group homes, they're kind of blown away by like, yes. wait, what? Is there, there's actual, like there's not kids that are in foster homes. Why are kids in that position? Well, we specialize in providing uh, therapeutic treatment. Uh, so what, we try to explain to uh, to people sometimes when these kids go through difficult uh, childhoods and they have very traumatic experiences, uh, they develop emotional uh, disorders or uh, emotional and intellectual kind of mm-hmm. disorders. So they, they become a little more difficult. Uh, and I don't want to get too technical with how trauma affects the brain and things like that. You can like go that. there. I'm, I'm all about it. Go for but, it. But uh, so they can uh, develop behaviors uh, that are a little difficult to manage for parents, uh, for foster parents even. So that's where we come in. Uh, We're trauma-informed, like I mentioned. Uh, They get a therapist immediately so we can address that trauma. We collaborate with a therapist uh, and we develop an individual plan for each kid 
so that they can learn first and foremost mm -hmm. about how to overcome, uh, building resilience, learning to live with things like ADHD, uh, mood, dis uh, mood dysregulation disorder, uh, old oppositional defiant disorder. These are things that first and foremost, we have to educate the child on, but yeah. uh, a lot of times we have to educate those parents too mm -hmm. uh, because they need help. Yeah. Um, it's it's a lot to care for those uh, kids who, who's been through that. So that's where we come in. So we really just provide, we like to call it now, we're moving towards residential intervention where we mm -hmm. can help those parents. We'll, we'll bring the kiddo in, uh, we'll assist them, we'll develop a plan and figure out what they need to mm -hmm. support them. And then that way we can transition them back home, hopefully, with the parents involved and teach them how to lend that support and give them the same support that we can give them. You mentioned trauma-informed care, and I mean, we'd be remiss if we don't kind of talk about all of that because <laughs> yeah. I think it is so, so very important. And right. you guys know that. Yes. You've attended a lot of trainings and you've done a lot <laughs> of that type of work to understand how trauma does affect the brain. We know from a lot of neuroscience research, even you know, 20 years ago, it was really believed that these kids just were brain damaged, mm -hmm. that they yeah. couldn't they could not heal. So I'm so grateful to be living in the day and age that we're living in, which nice. is a time where we have the, the science and the research to back up that these kids can heal, but they need really stable relationships and healthy people around them in order to, to do that. And so yes. I love what you guys do because you're giving them the treatment, but they're getting relationships um, yes. with people who love them and care for them. Why is it so important that it's trauma-informed? What's the difference there on like regular treatment versus trauma-informed treatment? Uh, and, and, and it's a lot like what you just alluded to, uh, the history there where... Mm -hmm. uh, people didn't understand. A lot of people still don't understand. And why it's, that's why it's such a, a pressing need mm -hmm. uh, to be informed <laughs> about trauma and what, what happened, but also what can happen. Mm -hmm. So by constantly training and, and being involved with uh, educating ourselves about trauma uh, and what we can do, what it does to the brain, we're, we're in a, essentially we're learning how to help these kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're, we're erasing the stigma like you said earlier, that, you know, these kids are damaged kids or that's a bad kid mm -hmm. and they can't be helped. Uh, so we're kind of erasing those stigmas, and that's why we're pushing it. Trauma-informed care is really important, not just yes. for our, us professionally, but we're trying to educate the community as well yep. because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, absolutely. In one of our uh, training that we went through in the past, one of the things that we learned was it's not so much when we're looking at these kids that have experienced these really hard things. What we often want to do as a community or even sometimes people who are caring for them, myself included, um, parenting kids that come from hard places, the question is sometimes what's wrong with you? Why are you acting like that? You know, because yeah. some of the behaviors are like, where did that even come <laughs> from? You know, there's like a yes. trigger and then they're all over the place. And so, so often it's kind of like, what, what's wrong with you? And yeah. being able to change that language to where did this come from? What happened to you? Mm -hmm. How can I come alongside you in that healing process to help you through it? That's kind of, a, it's a totally different mindset with them and the kids respond differently, right? When someone says, what's wrong with you? Versus, yes. hey, what happened? How yes. can we walk together hand in hand so that you don't have to go through this alone? So I love that that's a big part of what you guys do. What are the challenges that you face? What are the things that you go through that the kids go through on a regular basis that are just the things that kind of either repetitively come up or the, the biggest challenges just that you face in your day-to-day -day work? Um, I would say for that one, of course, is 
the kiddos that don't really have a strong support system and not knowing where do I go from here. So Mm -hmm. uh, like Dante said, we do a lot of treatment there. So a lot of them are working extra hard to find a loving home. And at the end, we're like, okay, you have completed our program. I mean, you're so successful now. Let's find a home for you. And not everyone have a home to go to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the most challenging for me at this point where, I mean, just at our facility alone, we have a lot of kiddos that, I mean, we're seeking homes for now. Right. So what we find ourselves doing now is going out our way to locate homes um, right. because not everyone does have a family. And I think that's the most challenging thing now is yeah. to see a kiddo and have to look them in their mm-hmm. eye and say, okay, you've made so much success. Now, where do you go? Um, yeah. So a lot of times I'm looking at Dante like, okay, do we need to open our home now? Um, and <laughs> it's sad because, yeah, that is kind of what we're facing now. There's not many foster homes. And I would just say, uh, in addition to what Nakia said, it's also the right kind of homes. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned, uh, when we mentioned the trauma, uh, sometimes they have to learn to live with uh, bipolar. Yes. Uh, and they need caregivers who, who can adjust and can support those needs. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where the efforts are trying to kind of go and focus on creating homes that are ready for them. Because even like Nakia said, uh, one of the, another problem is when a a child completes a program, they work really hard. Mm -hmm. They come up with, okay, how to manage this uh, behavior in a more productive way. A lot of times they'll go home or back to a foster home, but that parent isn't really equipped to support them. And then we see that yeah. child back mm-hmm. in foster care again and they're back in the system. So that's something that we're we're working <laughs> hard on too. We're trying to work yes. with everybody we can. Of course, we've sat on panels with you about building capacity, yeah. uh, getting out in the community, educating uh, others about trauma-informed care and how, giving them the support they need as well. So that's yeah. kind of where we're focused right now. That's what the yeah, direction permanency. is. Yes. Yeah, permanency. We want to focus on, okay, let's build the right environment you know, right. to yes. help those parents. Like a lot of times the diagnosis will never go away. They're not going to change. So it's who's willing to step up and learn right. how to work with them. And sometimes it's just like for a family who's wanting to foster, yes. right? They before they get a child or a child even is introduced to them, they see a case file, they see a paper that yeah. says things like bipolar or says things about where they were before they even came to you. Right. Which was lots of behaviors. Mm-hmm. They're getting treatment, they're getting healing, yeah. they're coming through your program, but it's all still there in the file. That file it mm-hmm. follows them. It, it's really hard to look at a file without the kid in front of them and without yes. spending any time with the child and knowing the ways that they've healed, they only see the bad things. And of then your course. mind just kind of goes to all, what does bipolar mean? Well, what yes. is that going to mean when, you know, down the road? Am I equipped to heal or to help them heal from this? Am I equipped mm-hmm. to be a parent? I'd love to hear a little bit about what are some creative ways maybe that people could step in, even maybe if they're not going to foster, but how could they be maybe a, per- a permanent place or a place of safety for a kid who might be already in their life somewhere. We're we're getting out into the community. We've had several churches who who've been kind and they're partnering with us and it's it's like you said, sometimes it takes building those organic relationships. Mm-hmm. You don't have to read a bunch of papers, just <laughs> come out and have fun, you yeah. know, enjoy being around these kiddos. And that's sometimes somehow these relationships are built. And then you get a, a, a family who's asking Nakia, hey, 
what's his name? What's his situation? I'd really like to get to know him more. Can I come and spend some time with him and things like that? Yeah. Um, other things that we're doing is uh, we're starting to educate families. Um, we're inviting them to to come in and events. Uh, some of our families, they do live a little bit further away, so we're asking how can we provide transportation for you mm-hmm. to come and be a part yeah. of this child's life a little more often and providing them with resources because uh, we don't want them to feel like it's a, a separation. We want yeah. we want to include them and, and even let them drive. You know, yeah. tell us what works for you uh, so that we can not only help the child, but we can help you as well. Mm-hmm. And that's got to mean a whole lot for a child to see you going yeah. the extra mile to make sure that they have relationships with their family members, yes. right? Even if they live in Dallas or even if they live <laughs> yeah. an hour away, that can be such a huge barrier. But yet those stable relationships are what those kids need yes. to heal. So seeing you go that, that extra mile, I'm sure that goes even further with their healing yes. because they know that you're for them and you're for their family. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's just a beautiful, a beautiful part of it. One of the things that we we've talked about recently has been, you know, these kids are in the community. They're in schools. They have teachers. They have coaches. You know, we talk about the river. We talk about how there's midstream where foster care is. There's Mm -hmm. upstream and all the reasons why kids enter foster care. And then there's downstream and all the things that happen when kids don't exit foster care with loving, stable adults. And kind of all along the river are opportunities for the community to step in and the community to find a place and So often in the past, it's been foster a child. And yes, you've already mentioned, we need people to foster children. We need people to take them in. But that's also a very daunting thing. And it's not the only way to intervene. And so we always talk about um, the fact that we were really just asking people to use whatever gift they have, Mm -hmm. whatever resource or talent they have for some that might be as a school teacher who may have one of your kids in their classroom or a kid who's in a different type of residential treatment center. What would you say to them in terms of how they could engage um, with the kids in your home or with you as an organization? We have a lot of kiddos who've been in foster care for a number of years. And it's sad, really, when you look on their call list and you say, you'd like to make a call, who would you like to call? And there's nobody there. They, they've had so many interactions with teachers and coaches and people throughout their lives over the course of their lives, but no lasting relationships. So to just to touch on that, even if somebody just wanted to get on a kid's call list, yeah. uh, somebody to call, as simple as that, they, they may think that they can't do much, but if you can answer the, the phone and talk for five or ten minutes, sometimes that, that means the world to a kid. Yeah. Uh, let alone just, you know, coming up and Kids smile so much when somebody comes and say, I'm here to see you and I brought you some McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I like what you said, Amber. Yeah, sometimes people feel like, oh, what can I do? I, I can't do, you know, sometimes yeah. every hero doesn't wear a cape, like, believe yeah. it or not. Like, you can literally <laughs> walk in and talk to a kid for 10 minutes and ask them how they're doing. Sometimes that, that just light, lights up their day. Yeah. So there's always something that everybody can do. I don't care how small. It really it really matters. And I, I like even with the sports, um, a lot of our kiddos don't get to play sports. So that is something we're pushing now. Um, 
and we have right now two that's running track and field, and they're doing great. And the coaches have started reaching out, and they're wanting to that's know amazing. what exactly are you guys doing up there? Do you have any more kiddos that you know we can come see, pick up? Can they at least come to the track meets? Mm-hmm. Um, so that there is helping us as well. So um, even that's making so cool. those kids feel apart because a lot of times they kind of shy away from events, or they feel like, hey, I may be moved and I may not be able to participate. Mm-hmm. So um, different little sport leagues reaching out. Um, I think we had one one time come out, what, maybe two to three times a week, and they just did drills with them and did like a small meet at the end of the summer. So there's there's a lot of things that can be done. Yeah, it's just showing up, right? Just showing up. Yes. Just yes, show up. How can you show up for a kid <laughs> yeah. yes. um, in a big way or a small way? You mentioned just yes. showing up. That's yes. all we're asking people to do is to show up and just know that there are there are kids, older kids, teenagers who are in our community who aren't in foster homes that don't have kind of the the pretty picture video that we see sometimes of the foster family success story. They 100% are a success story. It just doesn't look like the, the picture. So one of the last questions I want to ask you is why do you do it? Parenting one kid from a hard place yes. takes so much. To be able to step in day after day for a dozen kids, mm-hmm. um, yeah. looking them in the eye, and saying, I see you, and yes. you are showing up for them every day. Why do you keep doing it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I mean, it just means the world to me. It's my passion. Yeah. Um, it's my purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the biggest thing, you know. Everybody's searching for purpose. So when I found a purpose, you know, it makes me feel complete. So that's, that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I love to see the progress. Um, Mm -hmm. And we always kind of speak on one kiddo that we have now. And when we first got this kiddo, I mean, he didn't talk, couldn't read. Um, A lot of times he'll kind of walk around like a dinosaur or an animal. How old Um, is he? He's 11 now. Okay. Um, So So maybe developmentally seeing him at the beginning. But now he's reading. Yeah. Um, he's talking, he's communicating. So that keeps me going to know that, hey, we di- we're we doing something right. Yeah. Um, so we show up every day to make sure we have a success story for the next kiddo there. Um, and, you know, he has a caseworker come and she's like, hey, I don't think he's ready. And I'm like, well, he can stay here because <laughs> this is home for him. So um, yeah. being there for them, letting them know that this is home. We are mm-hmm. your family. You do have someone and we'll show up every day regardless of what you go through. We're going to wipe your tears. We're going to give you hugs. Whatever you need us to be at that moment, that's what we'll be. And that's what I think yeah. keep us going, keep our staff going. And we're going to continue to do it because we love the success stories from them. Yeah, that's amazing. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you. How can people in the community support you if they wanted to contact you, if they wanted to? Uh, we, we mentioned things like showing up, but practically, you know, we mentioned mentoring. There's several organizations across the city of Houston who have mentor training programs and they have structure around mentoring. Anything else that practically that people, if someone's listening and said, I want to get involved with what you do or support you in some way, how can they get in touch with you and what could that look like? Not just us, but any organizations like us. There's many. There's there's girls. There's boys. Uh, there's it's a diverse group of foster kids that need assistance and need help. Um, and it's like you said, they whatever gifts you guys have, like they're welcome. Bring mm-hmm. it. Bring it to the table. Everybody does something different. There's nothing nothing too small. There's nothing too large. Um, mentoring, volunteering. If you have programs that exist already and you'd like to introduce them to to our kids, we're more than willing to to join and participate. So it's it's just so many ways. Uh, even get educated. We talked a lot about trauma informed care. 
there's TBRI. There's a lot of a lot that you can learn if you want to learn more. Um, dive in, learn more, because uh, <laughs> uh, that that'll just help us. That'll that'll increase the community's awareness mm-hmm. of how to help these kiddos. Because, like you said, you may encounter them in your classrooms, in your churches, wherever in the community. So, if you're informed and and you're aware, then that just helps us. That helps the kids. Yes, that's great. <laughs> You guys are heroes. I know you mentioned before, heroes don't always wear capes. You guys are heroes. We consider you as heroes. I've seen you in your work. I've seen you in the community. Um, and I can attest to the fact that you guys love these kids and sacrifice for them every day. Um, and so for, um, I can't speak for them, um, but from where I sit, thank you so much. And we want to support you any way that we can. So thank thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. And yeah, we'll see you next time. And thanks for having us. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. To those listening, we hope these conversations have inspired you to find your place along the river. And we welcome you to join us in bringing hope and renewal to the city of Houston. If you'd like more information on how to get involved, please visit riversideproject.org and submit a contact form. We'll see you next time.